Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here, and in this episode, I spoke with, well, I'm not going to say her first name, she prefers to be known by her blog name, which is A Pilot, and uh, I think, hopefully, as I went through the, the listening and the editing, I removed all the references of her first name, because um, I called her by her first name throughout the throughout the episode. But anyway, um, yeah, she grew up in a supremely strict religious family and she suffered uh, sexual abuse and uh, she is coming out the other side. She's remembering things and uh, growing and healing and she's a writer, and she's an exceptional massage therapist, which is how she and I met, actually, a few years back. Um, yeah, so this is a really good conversation. It's an important conversation. We talked, um, we got together, and we talked in my kitchen on September 5th. So what's really crazy about this conversation is that Given what's going on in the world right now, or the world, I say the world, going on in America right now with politics and all the, the stuff, the the crazy political um, scene and talk of sexual abuse and what happens to women and how, why or how they report it or don't report it, what goes on in families, what goes on with friends, what goes on in parties, what happens with strangers... That's not the whole of this conversation between a pilot and myself. However, it is certainly um, running throughout the conversation. Trigger warning, if this kind of subject matter uh, is a trigger for you, perhaps it's best to skip over this episode. Um, You know, and and I I just want to put that out there. So we don't want to, or I don't want to... cause any undue stress or harm to anyone out there listening. Um, as always, little housekeeping, heyhumanpodcast.com. I will have links and information uh, regarding this episode, how to find a pilot on her blog, um, and information about getting help if you are being abused or someone you know is being abused. As well as, uh, we talked, it wasn't super heavy the whole time. We talked about fun stuff. We had, there was humor and lightheartedness as well. As is life. Life goes from light to dark to light to dark all the time to light again, we hope. Um, so yeah, there's there's stuff on the podcast, or, I'm sorry, on the website about that. And I'm just about all the things we talked about. And also, uh, Instagram, Hey Human Podcast. And uh, Facebook.com slash HeyHumanPodcast. And on iTunes, uh, I've got the Hey Human Podcast on iTunes. It's under Hey Human. If you're going to search it, that's where it, that's where it hangs out. And uh, if you go there, please give a review and subscribe. Super helpful. Really wonderful if you can do that. Um, thank you so much for listening. Blech, for listening. Tongue twister. I really appreciate that y'all are, um, that you're hanging in there and you're telling your friends and your family and everybody about it. And it's just, it's cool. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be doing this. I'm feeling very in my head right now, just after re-listening to this episode and absorbing everything. Um, anyway, I, I hope, 
I hope it means to you as much as it meant to me to be able to have this conversation. And I hope while you're listening, uh, it, uh, it does whatever it's supposed to do. Yeah. So, Hey Human Podcast, episode 18. Here we go. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for being on Hey Human. Yay. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. So, you and I knew each other, gosh, several years ago, and then we, we just, life got insane and whatever, and um, you crossed my mind one morning, and, or I can't even remember what it, I think I told you, I was like, I wonder what she's up to. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, you just reached out. Yeah, and we had on. a great lunch, and uh, anyway, and so uh, we started talking at lunch that day, um, just about your upbringing and your life, and it was so interesting. I thought, hey, maybe you'd like to be on. Hey, your mom, and here you are. Yes. As you're a human, and hey, yeah. there you go. Okay. So. Nice to be deemed interesting as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, interesting is good. So you were, you came from a, a very strict religious background, is that correct? I would call it Christian fundamentalism. Okay. You know? Well, um, what does that mean exactly? There's, yeah. I feel like there's so many of the different and kinds. And there are, and there truly are. And I, I'm sure there are some that are more extreme than what I grew up in, yeah. but um, for me, it was really confining and frustrating and um, hard to get out of. Yeah. Um, partially because um, my family members were in the leadership, so, you know, it was definitely the, the way we lived our life. It revolved around church and whatever was happening at church. So when you say it was, you know, choking or what, what kind of, what was your usual, okay. the usual day in the life of you as a kid? Okay, well... I would I would just say that the environment was strictly controlled in the sense mm. that um, so we went to private schools uh, we didn't go to public schools I mean I, I guess kindergarten first grade I was in public school but after that you know we were privately schooled which just basically kept the same dialogue that you hear at church so it was at a church school, school? yeah okay yeah. not not affiliated or? with no not a homeschool oh, okay. and not affiliated with necessarily one particular church um, usually like. A loose association of conservative Baptists or something like that, you okay. know. But um, I guess the basic tenets were is that the that the Bible is literally true, mm-hmm. you know, and the literal creation story where it literally took God seven days to create the world and that the earth is between six and ten thousand years old and okay. we reject evolution and yeah. you know and I, women aren't worthy. And... Well, I mean, they won't say that, but that's that is the effect of it for sure. sure. Because you know, the New Testament, which is supposed to be where the freedom is, you know women should be silent in church, you know, that's still, that's still in there. So it was definitely the idea, you know, um, that women couldn't teach men, uh, women could not be preachers, you know, they might could be Sunday school teachers, but if they were teaching men, then well, they, they have those little brains. The women, the women do. <laughs> well, they tiny little <laughs> brains. What could you do with that except for have a baby and cook some food? Right. <laughs> Seriously. But they would literally say that like a man just won't follow a woman's leadership. They huh. would say that, you know. Yeah. And so, anyway, that used to frustrate me. I would I would fight in English class over the, you know, the the so-called neutered pronoun that was he. You know, and I'm like, that's not neutered. That's that's male. Well, <laughs> so, I don't understand. They like if in if you're speaking in English and it's like an unidentified human, 
when I was in school, it was the technically correct to say he. No matter you know, what. No matter what. Now it's they they accept they yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But you know. Or he slash she. Or, right, right. Yeah. It's it's much more interchangeable, but yeah. not then. And so I just I just remember that I felt like I was fighting for so much when I would challenge that rule, you know, and just. Yeah. But yeah, the whole world was definitely patriarchal. Yeah. Overwhelmingly. How many children in your family? We were small. You know, we weren't like. Not like the quiverful movement where, you you know, you don't do birth control and you have as many kids as possible. Yeah. It wasn't like that. I, I only have one sibling, a oh, little, okay. an older brother. A brother, okay. Mm-hmm. So was he considered more worthy then because um, a boy or...? I, you know, I honestly don't think that my mom and dad viewed it that way. Again, it was just more, it was like an institutionalized belief that men were somehow inherently... Better. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like... Like, for instance, my mom would teach this class called Super Mom, and I see some of her notes sometimes, and it's got, like, this little pyramid, you know, with God at the top, my husband next, my children, and then my church, and then somewhere in there is the woman herself, you know what I mean? Like, that was literally the breakdown of how it was taught. So when I say, I don't think, I don't think they wouldn't say that women weren't worthy enough. It was just, like, that was our God-ordained role. The tenant. Did, did the women seem okay with this in um, your group? Um, I think everyone tried, like, everyone to be a godly woman. Like, yeah. that's what you were supposed to be, and so everybody was just trying to do that. But I think it chafed a lot of people, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how did that place you in the family unit if your father and brother were the, the dudes yeah. of the house where how did you especially if you were acting up <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this is this is where it gets strange to talk about um because like at home I don't feel like the uh, I don't feel like that overt dynamic was there um it was just, it's just the mindset that I grew up in. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was a prevailing pervasive idea that I, you know, I felt bound by, um, sure. whether or not it broke down that way inside my house. Um, I don't know. Other than that, dad was definitely like the final word on everything, you know? Yeah. But, um, nah. And your grandparents lived nearby? Nope. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was a Mason Dixon line thing. <laughs> they were in Arkansas. We were in Pennsylvania. So, oh, okay. So, but we'd go visit. You know, yeah. they were definitely in our lives. Sure, as, sure. As children, especially. Yeah. So. so you described to me at lunch that it was cult-like. What? Yeah. How do you mean by that? Because well, I mean, there's there's a big difference between a cult and just church people that are super churchy. Right. You know. Right. Well, that's why I said cult-like because yeah. I'm sure it's not like we, there wasn't like Kool-Aid that we all drank and like yeah. certain rituals that we did, but um, other than the usual. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like commun- communion and yeah, whatever and sure. the whole order of service. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think it because because I would go to private school uh-huh. that had the same belief system as my church did then my entire worldview was just homogenized, you know? And um, in deep Christian fundamentalism, I I feel like it has a terrible dampening effect on creativity because you're not, even though they say you can ask questions, you're not really allowed to ask questions. You know, like there's only like a few acceptable (laughs) answers. And so if you don't come in line with those things, then there is ostracizing, you know what I mean? Like it's... um, 
it's not comfortable to be in it if you're not complying. Were you ostracized when you like? Because you're a writer. Well, I've tried to be, but you know, I at that point in time in my life, I had I, I felt like I had no possession of my voice at all. Like I don't feel like that's anything that I've come into until I've been out and on my own. Like I haven't lived at home for 20 years now, and it's taken me 20 years really to to get all of that programming out of my head and and think for myself and think that it's okay. You know, what was the first step in that? You think? Um, well, um, honestly, my, I lost my mother, um, to, that's okay. You know, a lot of people do. And it was a long time ago and some weird way. I feel like it set me free. And I say that because I don't know that I could ever have walked away from the faith if she were still alive, because I would have, it was almost like my loyalty was to her. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I tried to believe correctly because because of my mom more than anything. Because she really tried hard to, to be a godly woman and do all of these things. And I didn't want to disappoint that or disappoint her. Did you ever voice your... Um, sure. To her or your confusion or your disinterest or your... More to my dad. Oh, like, okay. It Went got straight very, to the man, huh? <laughs> I was pretty confrontational with him, actually. You know, through... Um, I think when I started hitting 11 or 12, you uh-huh. know, like I just, we just butt heads a lot and I would challenge him on music. Like we, you know, technically we really weren't supposed to listen to secular radio and mm-hmm. even some Christian music was like deemed too worldly or, you know, like it had too much of a beat or sounded too much like rock and roll. Is that because it was it, that sexualized? Exactly. Oh, yeah. You might it... dance and if you dance, oh no. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> You know, what are they? I'm always curious about religions that that aren't into the music and the dancing. When there's both music and dancing in the Bible, how do they make amends for that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, because we would talk about you know youth group that that stuff would come up, and it would you know the answer was usually something like, well, it was a you know it was a celebration amongst God's people, and it was holy dancing, and you know we we don't. Like it doesn't exist now or something. I don't know. You it know, wasn't it was a just, booty shake. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't supposed to be <laughs> like that. You yeah. Know? Right. Just, it was all about adoring God and okay. expressing adulation somehow with your body. That was... Adulating, not undulating. Ooh, there yeah, you go. I got it. I'm going to make that t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it. So what did your dad say when you would I mean, he, we would just go round and round. You know, uh, of course he would <clears throat> deliver biblical texts and verses and whatever and it, it was just it, I, I was really just confronting him on purpose I was just mad and kind of taking it out on him to tell you the truth but mm-hmm. you know which he did listen to I'll give him credit you know he let me do that but um was your brother like that at all um he or actually he told the line or did he, he I don't know how to say this. I mean, my parents did encourage an independent spirit in us in some ways, you know. Um, My brother was actually ordained to be a minister for a while and didn't, you know, didn't wind up doing that. But I think we were both, when we were, as long as we were under the roof, like we were both really trying to... Toe the line. Toe the line. Mm -hmm. Are you friendly with your brother now? Um, not at this moment. We've, you know, there's been difficulties in life that have come up so why from the church um somewhat I mean it's definitely it's definitely related that is a topic that is um certainly 
our 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 family drama, and that's yeah. something I will share. Oh, on, okay, on yeah. This. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But it's There's always family drama. Right? Yeah. He and I were very close for a very long time. And, um, and I, you know, I miss him. But Was he supportive when you said, um, this isn't for me? Well, he kind of, he kind of started, he kind of did that too. It was almost like he became the black sheep first. You know, he's, he's three years older than me. So he was out of the house before I was. Yeah. Um, when he got out on his own in college, I think he did quite a bit of, like woo, you know, and just kind of exploring and and whatever. Ron Springer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I found out about that, I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, yeah. like I I didn't know that Amish had more choices than I did. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. like I respect Ron Springer. I do. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, it, it, unfortunately, though, of course, in this, that situation, a lot of the kids go totally insane, right? Because they haven't been allowed to do experience anything. life and. Um, yeah. But, you know, some of them do find their way back, which I suppose is the the ultimate hope. Right. Mm, It's interesting. It is, yeah. So, Mm. your mother passes away, and you had, what, like, an aha moment, or what? It was more just, like, a freedom to leave, you know? And And how did you, how are you able, uh, wait, for me, I'm thinking, what do you, you just don't go to church. (laughs) It sounds like it's more complicated than that. So, why is it more complicated? Because, because my father's the preacher, you know, so uh, it's a total defiance of him. And it's like footloose. If, if, yeah, <laughs> if you're living under his roof, then there are certain things you're expected to do. But you weren't living there. I was at the oh, time. Oh, okay. So your time. mom passed away while you're still home. Um, I had gone away to two year, two years of college, uh-huh. and then I came home for a summer, not knowing what to do. You know, like not wanting to. Didn't know what to declare as a major and didn't want to keep paying for classes if they weren't going to get me where I was going, but I didn't know where I wanted to go. And so it wound up being uh, the last two years that she was alive that I was home. So I just lived at home and worked full time and and got to spend time with her, which I'm glad for. Yeah. How did she pass? Uh, Breast cancer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Kids are stupid. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's a bully. Brutal. Yeah. So your mom dies, mm-hmm. and so know, I just left. So I moved you, here to Nashville. Did you say I'm out of the church, or did you no, say I pack your bags and leave in the middle of the night? Or what, did you, <laughs> no. what did you do? The plan was to go back to school. So okay. I came to Belmont and went to school for a year and continued working. Ah. And then, and then I've just been here ever since, kind of evolving and figuring it out on my own. Yeah. So did you ever drop the bomb on your dad and say I'm not in the church anymore? Or did, uh, yeah. he, did he just figure it out? I mean, he gone? kind of he kind of figured it out over time. You know, okay. it wasn't like he called every week and was like, "Are you going to church?" But he did. You know, anytime we talked, yes, are you going to church? Yeah, <laughs> it was always there. How you did know? you feel about you going to Belmont, which is a religious affiliated school, but not of the same religion? Was it you? was at the time. Oh, really? at the time it was still a Southern Baptist school. Can you believe oh. that? And they were literally voting on that issue while I was there. Okay. And I think the next year or two, they separated from the Southern Baptist Convention and just became whatever they are now, loosely yeah. Yeah. something. Loosely affiliated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How did your dad take that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, he, he was disappointed, you know, yeah. like... So yeah. what what was your spiritual awakening, or what what was the aha moment? What was mm-hmm. to take that? Sorry, Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good way to put it, though. Right? Was there a particular moment? Um, I think it was just a progression. You know, 
of, of having a freedom to explore. Uh, so I go to school, I meet a whole, a whole bunch of new people, and all of a sudden I'm hearing music that I've never listened to before. I'm reading books that I've never read before. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm absorbing pop culture that I totally missed, which isn't totally pop. You know what I mean? Like, there's great stories and concepts, and, um, and, I, and I think... Uh, I think the first belief that I really started letting go of was the creation story, like the literal creation story. That I think that was when everything in me started to shift, when I was able to go, hmm, you know what? I am going to accept evolution. <laughs> was it something that someone had said to you? Did you read something? It was, it was a lot of things, oh, yeah. Okay. And I did have a couple of friends who were like scientists and were just like blown away because they're like, you know, you're, you're pretty intelligent, but I can't believe that you reject evolution and all the weight of scientific evidence. And they just kind of kept hammering yeah. well, at like, me. Well, I don't think yeah. intellect has anything to do with it. I think very, very bright people think it's true. that creation is the end all be all. And right. I don't think, I think it, like you said, you know, it's all you would ever known mm-hmm. um so i do think that like really strict adherence to fundamentalism does affect intellect because I yeah i really yeah. do i mean i feel like i feel like i've gotten smarter as i've allowed myself to accept the larger world you know sure. and maybe it's just that my world has gotten bigger but yeah. you know i, I feel you like you were probably always that smart i i would hypothesize that probably. you always had the intellect but you were limited it's sort exactly. of like the foot binding thing yeah you know if, huh. if you start binding a child's foot but you unbind it before the foot is fully grown perhaps the foot's gonna grow some more yeah you know so that's a good analogy that's thanks yeah yeah i would say that i had intellectual so binding. did you say dad guess what i don't believe in creation yeah, kind of. And uh-huh. boy, how do you take that? <laughs> you know, I imagine a little bit of debate back and forth, and then there's a whole lot of guilt delivered. You know, mm. just that was his main weapon. You know, mm. that when he had exhausted his um, intellectual, you know, justifications, and I was just like, yeah, nope. <laughs> and then it was just, well, this isn't how you were raised, and you know what's right, and. That kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So first came that, then what? Did you get to see a Seinfeld and a Buffy episode? Did you read Harry Potter? <laughs> right. I feel like you missed all that stuff, right? Well, and here's another dichotomy. Like my my upbringing is full of a bunch of dichotomies. Um, some kids that I went to school with were not allowed to go see movies. Uh-huh. Um, however, there was a loophole where they could rent them and bring them home, which I never understood any of it. It's like if you go to the theater. People don't know what you're going to see. So it could be rated R, and it could be a stumbling block to them if they see you going in. By a stumbling block, meaning it, everything leads to sex. Yes, is that, is that pretty what much. I think that, yeah. I mean, that really did seem to be... You might get a hand job in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? Or you might... I was just seeing Harry Potter. I don't know what's going on right now. You might learn what a hand job is, yeah. <laughs> that they yeah. even exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, wait, did your parents talk to you about sex when um, you were growing up? They did some, but okay. again, very, very limited, okay. you know, and, and always only ever supposed to be with your spouse and, you know, only one partner your whole life and whatever. Wait till marriage, purity, all of that. Weirdness. I'm curious, was there a lot of uh, abuse in the community? 
I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that I think that fundamentalism breeds a lot of abuse because yeah. not just I because mean, it's like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mental, absolutely. Physical, sexual, like the whole emotional, nine yards. all yeah. of it. I yeah. completely agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's it's very coercive. You know, it's a very small world, so you're always trying to corral people and to stay in this small, small thing. It's and, very bizarre to me to think that on one hand, someone's saying. You can only have, for let's just say sex. You can only have sex, husband and wife. That's it for your whole life. And yet they're abusing their children sexually. Right. Or, you know, they believe in the tenets of Jesus and yet they're beating their kids or mm-hmm. their wives. Or, you mm-hmm. know, I know that husbands get beaten as well, so I'm not going to leave them out. But right. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, so it, it, that part, it's very hard to reconcile any of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's why people get very frustrated with, yeah. Um, extremists because yeah most of them don't live it at home the way that they preach it to everybody else the people so. that are screaming the loudest are the yes. ones I worry the most about exactly. to be honest mm-hmm. they freak me out the most <laughs> as they should yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I think we got we got we got to the movie theater and then I lost the, the train we went off in a different direction so okay. you um you're in college you've sort of you said okay wait Something's not right. Now, a spiritual awakening, the, to me, that sounds like you you start taking on other... You start looking at other religions, perhaps, sure. and other doctrines and all that. Was there anything that particularly spoke to you, or is it all encompassing now? Do you... I mean... Well, um... It's a complicated question, I suppose. It is, yeah, and I, and, and, and I haven't broken it down in my head for a long time, so it's hard to know exactly where things started, you know? Um... I think I just started living my life and the experiences I started having were not in line with what I was told was how things worked. So, for example, okay. So, I meet a guy that I fall in love with and I wind up marrying him a few years down the line. But, you know, we we had a sexual relationship before we were married. And, uh, right? And so my brain is telling me, okay, so this is sin and this is wrong. Oh, you know what I mean? that's a bummer. But I didn't, I wasn't experiencing it that way. Like for me, it was healthy and it was healing and it was like, I, um, I'd always had trouble with my femininity too, to a, to a ridiculous degree. And it was making me feel comfortable as a woman for the first time in a lot of ways. And, and so I recognized that I was healing when I was being told that I was doing something damaging. And so, wait, so I'm sorry. So you're in a relationship with a man, you're a mm-hmm. sexual relationship mm-hmm. and someone else, uh, not the man, but someone else is telling you that it's well, just my, my your brain. Mind, your brain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wasn't yeah, sure yeah, yeah. somebody actually was, and my, you know, anytime I, I didn't hide that relationship from my father. So, okay. So yeah, he, okay. he would challenge that. You know? Okay. And, Got it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's in your brain. Like oh, I've yeah, described I it, it as being kind of written on the inside of my bones. Like that's how it feels to me. Like it, when I first started, that's beautiful uh, actually, and terrible. Yeah, but it, uh, yes, yeah. Well, but yeah, but tragedy is, is often beautiful in its own weirdly mm, unique way. That is very true. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and as I started, kind of changing my mind on some things. I do remember like having a few moments of real fear, like guttural fear that like the earth might just open up and swallow me in fire because I was being a heretic, you know, like it was hard to give myself the permission to 
you know, believe based on my own lived experience instead of my indoctrination. Was it a healthy sexual relationship? Did you feel free enough to, you know, orgasm yeah. and, and like be in it? Well, that's good. Thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I assumed he knew about your child, like your oh, upbringing, sure. and so it was, mm-hmm. that's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. I st- he's, you know, I still wasn't ready and, and poor, whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of good in it. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were with him for how long? Um, it was ten years altogether. Oh my goodness! And everything. Mm-hmm. That's a long Not time. Not married, but yeah, you know. Hussy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ten years. It's a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, were you the breaker upper? Um. Hmm. I caused it. How so? Were you cheater cheater? I did cheat on him. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he divorced me, and, and I agree with him, you know? Yeah. He, he should have, so. Um, Why did you cheat? Um, I fell in love with a woman, which totally surprised me. Ah, that would be a shocker if you were raised the way you were raised. I, totally. And uh, and I had always um, had a fear of it and um, and kind of an aversion to the idea, but, you know. A fear of being a lesbian or a yeah. fear of? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, so, so for a lot the, of reasons. Do you feel like somewhere in the back of your mind maybe you knew all along? Or, or do you consider yourself bisexual or lesbian? Bisexual. Bisexual, okay. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. something in the back of your mind all along going. Yeah. Now that I look back, yeah, I yeah. can I can definitely tell, you know. Isn't it funny how, how just unaware we are sometimes as mm-hmm. kids or in and we act out based on this unawareness because our subconscious is actually fully aware of saying right. uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> right. By the way. Yeah. So how did you meet her? Um hmm. At the gym. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you know right away where you're like, uh-oh? It was one of those weird, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. almost immediate, like, both of us were very drawn to one another. I've, you know, got theories on that, too, now. But I think we were both very similarly wounded, and ah. I think that we recognized that more than anything else. And, yeah. and for a minute at the beginning, or more than a minute at the beginning, it was like we were each other's very best friend and defender. Like, you'd never had your whole life and always wanted you know sure and it just kept going so um. so when your ex-husband found out at the time your husband found out was it something that you told him or did it did it blow up kind of both I mean oh. some of both I mean yeah. um there did finally come a point where I completely came clean but you know yeah. for a while I and I, you were in love with her at that point both of them yeah, it was yeah. very... Oh, that's complicated. It was very sloppy. Yeah. And, and intense. Was she bisexual as well or not? Apparently. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't now, think... Now, here's a question. This is, like, totally out there. Yeah. But did you ever contemplate the idea of the three of you being together well, since you were in love with both she of She was married, too. Yeah. Oh, she was married, yeah, too. Wow, it gets so much more complicated. I know, right? I know. Life but, yeah, sure. Complicated. It did. And so now, at this point in time, now that we're here, wow, this is totally not the topic we started on. That's but, okay. I mean, it's the way you know, the conversation goes. Right. So. Um, I mean, conceptually, I am open to the idea of polyamory, which is, you know, where you have multiple partners, but it's like a, it's a committed situation as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the only way that those situations work is if you have really well-adjusted people who are honest about who they are. Yeah. I think honesty is very important. It has to be. It is regardless, Mm -hmm. but. With any relationship. Sure. But especially if you've got more than one partner, you know, everybody has to be like 
okay. Right. You know. Right. So, I mean, conceptually, like, that's nothing I've ever tried. But, I mean, you know, I I think of it as being pretty natural. And, um... Biologically, it makes complete sense, of course. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Intellectually, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to practice, but... um, Yeah, because our egos get in the way. It makes mm -hmm. sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm looking for something that's just honest and open. I don't want... I don't ever want to be a cheater again. You know, it's not a pleasant thing. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a pleasant thing. And um, but it was, it was a learning hurtful. experience. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, I don't think I could have not done it. Obviously, you sure. know. I, um, Did he yeah. now? Are you? Do you still communicate with him? It's been years. Oh. I kind of, kind of backed off because I, I just felt like he needed to be able to move on. You know. What do you I think mean? it would have made yeah. a difference if you had had an affair with a man? versus uh, a woman yeah you, totally do you think he would have accepted it more oh or? no I think it would have been worse worse oh really I do interesting uh, and um and I don't know that I would have cheated with a man or, and if I had I think it would have been like 15 years down the line I would have been trying really hard with him yeah um, I was kind of blindsided by her like I yeah. I had never kissed a woman or you know allowed myself to think that you know sexual ideas about a woman I had never even gone there and it just kind of sprung up naturally when so I met her so. if you hadn't been raised in the environment I think I may have already mm-hmm. just asked you this but now mm-hmm. I can't remember um if you hadn't been raised in the environment do you think that would have sprung up earlier probably yeah okay. absolutely yeah. yeah I don't know if you know sometimes I think that the repression of a situation it's like Rom Springer once mm-hmm. you're free of it then suddenly, the world is your oyster. Right in the pun. <laughs> <laughs> funny, too funny. Yeah, um, yeah. And I and I don't think I ever like totally lost my head. That's another weird thing. Um, I was I was grateful for some of the indoctrination because I think it spared me some things that a lot of people go through. Like like um, you know where you. I don't know, all of the drunken shenanigans that you have where you're, like, I don't know, endangering yourself because you're drunk in public or whatever and not able to really get around. and Because mm-hmm. you're not uh, a drinker at all, right? No, that's not true. Oh, you, oh, oh, you yeah. are? Yeah. Oh, and okay. I've actually, yeah, I've been challenged by sobriety. Oh, okay. Really are have. you sober now? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, all right. Sober. At this moment, I guess for sure. <laughs> Are you sober currently? Yeah. In this I am not. Podcast? I am not in AA or anything like that. Okay. No. Have and you I, been in AA? I mean, I've attended a meeting, I guess, and I have. I have been in counseling for issues relating to leaning on substances. Ah, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I've struggled with reality for sure. God, who doesn't? <laughs> Tell yeah. me one person that doesn't struggle with reality. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and I have also desired to escape for most of my life, you know. Yeah, and sure. Often I do it through imagination, but once I started drinking and and discovering recreational drugs and stuff, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that would be. I did have a little bit of a rumspringer moment with yeah. with those, yeah, with substances because okay. I I am much more comfortable existing in the ether than I am in my body, mm-hmm. you know. So. Mm-hmm. It was almost like escaping from my body to do those things. Okay, that so. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you break it off with your ex-husband. You are now. No, well, he broke it off. With he me. broke it off with yeah. you. Sorry. And no, then you, now, and then you were dating the woman. And how long did you date her for? 
Um, our whole deal was about 13 years. That's altogether. very long. You are yeah. a very committed person. I, <laughs> I don't go that. lightly. I don't go lightly. And you're not together things. anymore. No. No. And you broke up on that one? I did. You did? Yeah. And for more soul searching or? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of things. A yeah. lot of things. Um, yeah. A lot of lessons that I had to learn the hard way, I guess. Um, I would say that that relationship taught me that I was worth love. Mm. And I had kind of rejected that notion and had to go through a lot of hard things to finally decide, you know what, you are worthy of love and you don't have to go without it anymore. So, Self-love. Self-love, yeah. Is that what you're working on now? Oh, yeah. It's the hardest one. And stability. You know, (laughs) it is the hardest one. It really is the hardest one. It really is. Yeah. Yep. How's it it all feeling at this point? I'm good. I am about to hit a year mark on that breakup, like this month, the end of this month. Mm -hmm. And um, it has been a deeply challenging year, but a deeply introspective year and a deeply triumphant year in a lot of ways. Um, What are some of the things you've learned? about yourself <laughs> Oof. well as you alluded to some point like I, I did have some childhood trauma mm-hmm. and it was pretty intense and to the point that I had like a lot of people just completely forgotten it mm-hmm. just blotted it out um, this year I have done a lot of unearthing and not even so much what happened to me what my specific trauma was although that is also coming back with everything, but it was more um, how I responded. Um, I became just a very damaged, damaging child. You know, I was in deep distress, and let's um, so if I were to loosely talk about this, I would say that an adult um, authority figure was my abuser, mm-hmm. and it was discovered by a family member who put it to stop, but didn't take any like police action on it, um, partly because of the time in, that it was, you know, like the early 80s, late 70s, just, you know, um, or, a, lot of, a lot of white male privilege, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and kids are still considered, as they are still in some ways today, still considered property, I think. They're, right. I don't, I'm not even sure when the turning point happened, but it certainly... Yeah. Yeah. So... So that that situation stopped, but I didn't get counseling or anything like that because of our church, you know, which didn't believe in counseling. Mm. <laughs> Thought it was like an instrument of the devil, you know. And really, seriously, yes, yes. Do you like, think just terribly afraid of just it. to offshoot on that for a second? Mm-hmm. Do you? And I know we can't speak to all religions, nor right. can or all dark and all that stuff. But <clears throat> do you think that part of the reason? Why, when something like that is is unearthed and brought up and sh- shown, the you know, light shown on it, mm-hmm. do you think that the reason why it gets shuffled off to Buffalo again is because perhaps it is so prevalent that if they shine the light on one spot, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to break the whole damn building down? Right. Show, you know, like the Catholic priests deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some some I mean, Catholic priests. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I definitely think that's part of it, but I think more than anything, it is shame, you know? Mm-hmm. It is shame. A shame for the adults as well. Yeah. yeah, and just for the failure, you know, the the spiritual standard is so high, and, the, like, there's not many things worse or deemed worse than child molestation, right? So, like... 
It is quite bad, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah, just the shame around it. Like, um, yeah, just nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody just wanted to kind of act like it didn't happen and pray yeah, that it I just kind of went away. If you make yeah. it stop, then then that's good enough. And I think they actually prayed for me to forget it, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. And that was that was not the answer. Well, I mean, like, as you brought up the, the Catholic priests, you know, they shuffled them off into other... Which was, what, let's see, what is the worst thing you can do is instead of bringing someone to justice, you send them off to another parish where they'll just do it again. Or what about, I mean, this is such a hot topic right now too, uh, with Brock Turner and all of that and, and, you know, with rape cases in general, like Roger Ailes being dismissed, but with a multi-million dollar severance package and, you know, no real consequences except for his, you know, barely tarnished name, you know. I mean, so there's a lot of anger about this. I mean, I can get really angry about it. I can get really angry at my abuser. Now, if I'm honest, I have to admit that I know enough about that abuser that they they were abused. You know, so doesn't have, excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. But if we want this to end, how do we make it end? We don't just throw people in jail. Like we have to deal with trauma. We have to give people counseling. Like, maybe you go to prison, but you also get counseling while you're in there. You know, and and just like the war on drugs, like 30-year sentences, I mean, it is ridiculous. I don't even think that 30-year sentences are appropriate for rape necessarily. It depends on if it's violent and whatever. I don't know. This is, I I know I'm like, I'm walking some lines right here right now. You know what? Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I personally think that the rapists... uh, do worse than murderers, in my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel like a rapist should go to jail for longer Forever. than a murderer and for certainly get massive amounts of counseling, yeah, yeah, yeah. for certain. And I agree that most people that commit those crimes, not all, because mm-hmm. some some are just... Deviant. You know, well, awful. just yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. But for many, especially when it comes to victims mm-hmm. against children, they mm-hmm. too were victimized. Right. And without the proper therapy and and you know they that's the cycle continues and continues exactly and And that's the thing it's clear that that's the case it's clear that that's the way it is right and And that's what i want to confront and like how do we we have the only way to confront it is for people to get honest about their story and to share them you know and 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 the shame like okay so i was saying before what i had unearthed more than just the actual trauma of myself was how i reacted and i I was heartbroken, so this is the... I can't... Can I cuss? You can swear all you want. <laughs> Damn it. This is the fucked up thing about it. Yeah. Is, you know, sex is is bonding. Sure. So I bonded to my rapist. Right. And fell in love. Right. And that's horrifying, you know? I think so, that happens. So when the relationship ended... I know that happens. Ended, you just said it does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like biological. It's like a... It's like a hardwired thing that happens, you know? There's actually a chemical reaction that happens that that makes that happen. And if you believe in energy bodies, that that stuff all mixes and melts too. So, yeah, I mean, it's highly violating. These are the reasons why it's so traumatic and violating. It's because it's not just your body. It's your psyche. It's your spirit. It's your person that gets assaulted. Like, your free will has been assaulted. And that's the real injury, I think. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. So... So I was heartbroken and a child and had, you know, and I didn't even know what the hell had happened. So I did replicate behavior for a while. 
and um, I'm really putting it out here. I'm trying to write this into a, a blog right now, anyway. So, yeah. but um, you're an exceptional writer, by the way. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, really. Thank you. Very, very excellent. I appreciate yeah. that. Can I plug the blog? I would love you to plug the blog, and I'll put a link on the website okay. too for it. But cool. please plug away. Thank you. It's yeah. called bloodlesscooblog.com. Spell that because not everyone can spell coo. The coo is C O U P. So, so bloodless. B l o o d l e s s c o o c o u p blog blog dot com dot com yes. and I'll have a link on the heyhumanpodcast dot com and the the ethos behind that is you know I'm looking for a bloodless overthrow of the ruling regime right now you know like we we need to we need an overthrow of operating system of ideas in this world the regime mm-hmm. in your head and the regime outside of yeah. your head right? and I think that they're reflection <laughs> aren't they it's like now we can get all really philosophical on that one so when you met your husband your ex-husband and you had had this trauma and you had had this bonding experience and and developed a loving relationship toward your abuser Mm. now how does that of course that when it ended like that got sublimated but anyway go ahead but yeah when that relationship was stopped i mean my conscious my awareness of it like i buried the whole thing i don't uh, know what to say okay but it was yeah, still yeah. there yeah yeah it was still part of you so when you, you no you did totally yeah. fine i think i've probably interrupted you at least six times <laughs> okay. um uh so when you entered into this sexual relationship with the man who would become your husband did any did any of the ghosts start to rear Some, their heads somewhat yeah. yeah um it's a it's a both and kind of thing mm. um I, he made a few comments a time or two that that indicated that you know he was aware more than I was that something had happened. You know, mm. he tried to talk to me about it a couple of times, and I don't think I was able to hear it at the time. But I remember that now. You know, so so yes. Um, but in a lot of ways, like in a lot of ways, for me, it was it was almost an act of defiance. You know, it was like me choosing mm. to allow myself and because I had sublimated what had happened I don't even know it's I had compartmentalized myself um, now since since the trauma has resurfaced I've been remembering and that I did have like a whole upset in my sexuality again you know what I mean because like where like real ghosts of like oh god you know like oh it doesn't feel good because I'm having a bodily flashback you know that kind of thing which I did not experience with him because it was still sublimated and I was kind of I think healing with him like claiming myself where I hadn't before if that makes any sense it does so yeah but yeah I mean it's been a challenge later as I've begun remembering to do you have post-traumatic stress disorder? Sometimes. I mean, I did have a counselor diagnose me with that. I will say that I am I am highly triggerable. Like, I have very high defense mechanisms. And um, I have, if, if not necessarily, I've lost some friends and I have distanced some friends by some, some of my coping mechanisms that are, you know, where I recognize now that my, my radar is maybe a little too high and that, like, I cut things off at a point where I don't have to, but I, I, you know, out of self-preservation. Yeah. If I got triggered or tripped, I'm just like, we're done. And I don't, you know, I just pull back right like that. So yeah. I'm trying to work on things like that. But. Sure. Sure. 
and you know still quite understandable i mean <laughs> right. cut yourself some slack there <laughs> and, <laughs> you, and know? I, you know i've always lifted weights too and um yeah you're buff girl <laughs> but i recognize that as a defense mechanism you know and sure. and it has like i mean some men have been attracted to it but fewer men are attracted to it than are frightened by it believe it or not well it's interesting so. because i i think that many survivors of abuse they go one way or the other they mm-hmm. either get super into fitness mm-hmm. and run themselves to the ground or work out themselves to the ground right. or they eat yes. and eat and eat and that becomes their Shield. shell their protective shell absolutely you know so yeah. so they're either you know uh, control anorexia bulimia that's mm-hmm. a control right you know, yeah. I don't to call it a disease right I, I'm right. not sure I mean disorder I think, disorder maybe? yeah maybe, maybe that's even that comes yeah. with such baggage. It does. Everything It's so does, hard to right. name anything without right. making it sound so judgy. But I actually, I heard the most interesting podcast the other day. Um, this professor, I'm going to, uh, oh gosh, he's, um, where was he from? He was Lebanese, or he is Lebanese. He still is. <laughs> he was last week. He's still Lebanese. Uh, Gad is his name. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And he was actually talking about anorexia nervosa, and he spoke about how, you know, that's a disease of someone trying to control, right? And they're mm-hmm. trying to control their weight, and but it's, it's way deeper than their weight. Mm-hmm. And he said that it actually goes all the way into um, controlling their reproductive system. Oh, wow. It's uh, And sometimes it's triggered by uh, sexual abuse, and mm-hmm. people will then become anorexic because it shuts down the reproductive system. And it's like on the subconscious desire to not procreate with your family members. Or I was like, oh my God, my mind is blown right now. So I was like, I have to go down that rabbit hole and research that because I found it so fascinating. For sure. It makes complete and total sense. I will say this, that I have been completely insane about not becoming pregnant, you know, and any the, the one of the most unhinged moments of my life. Is that why you're wearing a garbage bag right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That and it looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I no, I was terrified of pregnancy and um Why is that? I think that I I was afraid that I would abuse my kids, you know. Oh, honestly. Yeah, I feel you. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. And I mean, and I, I was sublimated, so I wasn't aware of why. I just knew I had a deep terror. And I also was not, like, I couldn't babysit kids. My mom tried to get me babysitting jobs. And um, I remember the night of, just like the hour before canceling, because I just couldn't. Like, I just But you didn't know why. I didn't know why. I find that fascinating and beautiful in its own way that your mind somewhere your subconscious and i don't think you would have abused those children but i'm saying that okay let me go here oh okay um the i did have a moment of confrontation um with consequences and without that moment okay so when i was a kid i think i acted out with several kids and i don't even know all of them you know this is the hard part like i don't know who i've hurt and oof Again, I'm about to write this, so I may as well just say it out loud. But you know, and this is going to come out after you write. Okay. It, so, okay, yeah. that's cool. Either way, but um, oof, this is really hard. It's this only is hard what you're comfortable with. I know. Yeah. I, I'm offering this because I feel like, I feel like probably a lot of people feel this way. If going back to shame and why we don't talk about these things, I think we're worried about what we are. You know, yeah. like as angry as I can be at rapists. Um, the truth is, at some level, 
I am someone else's rapist, you know? We were children. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And that's kind of the only thing that's saving me. It's a little bit of a technicality. Um, But there are two children that I can think of that I was just doing behaviors that I had learned. um, And I was also wrecked and knew it and angry. And I, and I did have a desire to wreck. I really didn't know what was happening. How old were you then? Um, I mean, like eight, nine. This incident where I was confronted, I was 12. So I'm almost prosecutable, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's getting getting there. Yeah. Now, so was my victim, the same age. So you could, you know. But um, it happened at a camp, of all cliche things. Um, and they were not, and uh, they yeah. were not in it with you. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, yeah. kids experiment. And I don't even remember. Things. Yeah, like, and I don't even remember if we, like, actually got anywhere. Or if I was just kind of grooming and like offering, and and they were just like, no, 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 and that was enough to make them run. Or if I actually crossed any boundaries, I don't, I don't, don't remember. remember. I yeah. haven't allowed myself to remember sure. that yet. But um, um, and it was a girl, and she was. She, she went and told like the camp nurse, I think, who came to confront me and thought I was older than I was and was like, she's like, what you're doing is called rape. And I was just horrified, you know? Yeah. I was horrified because I had no idea. Was that the first time you'd heard that word? No, and here's the weird thing. So, um, have you ever heard of Focus on the Family? James Dobson and all of this. I feel like I have. That's a very fundamentalist thing. Like, he's written books. Is that books. the one where he's he a thinks Christian you, should, psychologist. you should beat your child? Is it that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Except it's not I've beating. Heard of this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah they it's, consider it ordained by God yes. to beat the crap out of their child. Yeah, <laughs> I remember reading about him. So, all kinds of things. But yeah, he would, he would, he was obsessed with rape. And so his talk show would be on in my household because, you know, Sex was scandalous anyway, so it was, you know... It Good was, selling point. Yeah, I mean, it, I can't... It, rape was ridiculously talked about on Christian radio as just, like, one of the dangers of being in the world, and I was terrified as a kid of being raped, and I didn't realize that I already had been, and, and that I was doing it, you know what I mean? Sure. So I was aware of the word, and I was terrified of it. I was terrified that it was going to happen to me, and then I get told that that's what I'm doing, and I... It's that mind fuck. That is what made me... Like, I literally shut myself down like I when she quit talking to me and I was defiant like I I was like oh so you seem pretty upset you must have been raped huh for you to be this upset like I was to the other to the to the camp nurse telling me that like I fought hard you know but then I fell apart like as soon as that confrontation was over like I was just A a, a mess you know and um and I did I neutered myself like I was just like I I don't understand sexuality. It's too big for me. And then I just kind of like dove into the fundamentalism and was like, okay, I'm just going to be a virgin until I'm married and I'm not even going to investigate. And I didn't. Did and you masturbate? Not until I was 21. Whoa. I just shut it down uh, because I was mortified. I understand. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really traumatic. And I didn't lose my virginity until 25. Now, as an, as, as an, I was, I think I was 18. So, I mean, you know, that's not so unheard of to Technical me. virginity. My, that I chose. That you anyway. chose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, as an adult now, do you think, are you still scared to have children? Oh, yeah. I've given it up. You have? Yeah. Even though, like, now I don't think that I would, I don't, I don't feel like I'm a danger anymore because it's not sublimated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
but I there's just, not a shadow side I'm, that's hiding your you know your shadow right you exactly. have to know your freaking shadow you man do or it will it will run you your up. life yeah, yeah i agree mm-hmm. now i'm 42 about to be 43 and it looks fantastic thank you I'll i think i it. thought you were about 30 honestly. good yeah. love it but yeah i just I like feel like <laughs> not working out <laughs> i would call it I don't know what, like a stunted... So no alcohol, probably. I, no, I have drunk ridiculous amounts of alcohol. I mean, in, in the last year. <laughs> oh, it's in the last year? Oh, the you the were... last year was... Actually, the last year has been a very good year, but prior I thought you to were, that... I yeah. think you've been sober for a while now. Sober, I said, I'm sober right now. Like, I don't... I'm not a teetotaler. You're I, not. I do okay. drink, and, and, uh, and okay. I do indulge in things, but I don't drink every day like I used to, and I all of those kind okay. of things, and I don't drink too excess every right. time I drink, which I used to. Okay, I got it. So, going back to religion, mm. let's pop back over there. Okay. Um, and by the way, I really appreciate your honesty. It's really, you know, and there's people that listen mm. that they're either they're gonna they're they're either gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's me on this side, or they're gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's me on that side, and that's humongous. Well, you know, it's terrifying. You know? I, I know. Like I, I, I can't tell you how much of my own life has know, been. I'm sure. Well, thanks. Has yeah. been overshadowed by that fear that like I didn't even get on social media for years and years and I didn't totally know why other than that it scared me and this is why because somebody out there knew my story that I was trying to deny ever happened and I was afraid of it coming back like of someone surfacing and and saying oh I remember you (laughs) you know which they may well now but at least I'm like I will be like I am so sorry you know and thank you for telling and like is there anything I can do I mean you know what I mean yeah uh, and and I'm talking about it because I want the cycle to stop. And yeah. this is my story of it. And, yeah. you know. It know. is interesting, too. You think about, like, I remember uh, a boy named Danny when I was, gosh, I mean, it must have been like seven or eight. And we would go into my closet at my parents' house and play, quote, unquote, hypnotist. <laughs> and we would take turns hypnotizing each other. And once we were hypnotized, we could do whatever we wanted, Whoa. you know? And I mean, I think it was just sort of touchy-feely games. So sure. You're a boy, I'm a girl. Yeah. That's interesting. You know? Right, yeah. But, I mean, it is it is interesting to think about mm-hmm. where is the line. At mm-hmm. that age, consent is a very yeah. confusing thing. And, you know? I'm glad you said that. So yeah. that's another thing that has to change in this country is like, and it's starting to happen, like conversation about consent is finally really happening. Sure. And it needs to continue. But we need to get rid of abstinence-based sex education in our schools. Right. We need to get real with sex education and start in grade school, in kindergarten, teaching bodily autonomy. And, you know, if you don't want to hug your uncle, you don't have to hug your uncle. I think or that is humongous. I've talked like about that. that on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. You should not be forced to, to have... An intimate, any, any kind of intimate contact with somebody that you don't want to. Your yeah. uncle, your grandma, yeah. grandpa who kisses and slobbers your face. Right. You know, weird uncle, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, we were talking a bit about the Brock case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading this other uh, article that was, it was all about men who are raped. And of course, mm-hmm. in our culture, yeah. we're like, men can't get raped. That's sure ridiculous. But mm-hmm. absolutely they can. And there was this whole... Um, by women too. By women, absolutely by <laughs> women, just other men. and by their mothers, mm-hmm. and by their lovers, and yeah. by you know yeah. strangers. Yes, and it happens. It does. And so that's another part of the voice that needs to be spoken mm-hmm. to because 
I think when when it's sort of like the man abuse too, the the women that beat up their husbands or whatever, and or the gay the gay men where there's an abused man and there's just all this shame, extra shame. Like it's not not just the shame that women get raped or abused, but then there's this extra super duper shame like, on men because somehow it shouldn't happen to them because the toxic masculinity thing yeah, biting them in the ass because they weren't uber male enough yeah. to beat the guy off it's or so, yeah, yeah or yeah. the woman or, or the whatever woman. Yeah, and, right? um yeah it's it's a messed up deal man sure is. Um, but i do agree with you that that the whole Go kiss your auntie or your mm. uncle. That needs mm. to stop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> I agree. Because it's gross. Yeah. It's gross. And kids, you know, they their whole world is mom and dad or mom, dad, siblings. Mm-hmm. And then you bring this other person in. Maybe it's Uncle Bob who only visits <laughs> once every two years. You know, that's a stranger. Right. So on the one hand, you're teaching them... Don't go off with strangers. Don't be don't be lured by a strangers. Whatever. Unless it's Uncle and then, Bob. <laughs> right. I mean, Uncle Bob yeah. could be weirder than anybody. <laughs> right. You know. So. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. just. It's it's maddening. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, so yeah. back back to the religious part. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. So you 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 said that you you started having oh I've got something in my eye. You started having an awake. It's my finger. <laughs> you started having an awakening and. You thought, okay, first of all, creationism, hmm, not so much. Started talking with your friends who were more science-minded. Mm-hmm. and um, But so where... Do you feel like you have a doctrine now? Do you feel like you have a way a that you... System. Yeah, a belief system or a lack thereof? Are you yeah. atheist? You know, like yeah. where... Where does it all figure in at okay. this point? And why? Okay. Um, wow. That's okay. a big question. It is. Yeah, it we is. may need snacks. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um, I definitely have a belief system. Um, I do believe that there's something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to talk about it anymore. Like, I'm not comfortable with the word God. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. It gives me a rigor. You know, it makes me feel too confined. Um, sometimes I wonder if whatever is bigger is just like us and, and just kind of went through this same cycle that we're doing of becoming self-aware and, you know, understanding our motivations and why we do things and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, transcendence or whatever, enlightenment, you know, become, hits a place where you're capable of actual relationship. Um, what do I think? Okay. So I went to massage therapy school and I ran into a lot of Eastern philosophy there. And that really resonated in my spirit as true. So I I like a lot of Buddhist ideas. Mm. Um, I love energy work, um, like Reiki or um, Qigong. There's a whole lot of different modalities. But just essentially the idea that beyond just this physical body that we can see and touch, there is a component to us that is ethereal. But actually, you know, it's the spark that leaves when you die, you know what I mean? Like if you've ever seen a, a dead body, I mean, it's, I have. it's a, it's not, it's not animated. Like you can tell that whatever the spark is, is not He there. was right before I killed him. Yeah. No, <laughs> I will see your killer joke. All kinds of confessions <laughs> on this one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, Rapists and murderers up in here. I have been when they, when they took their last breath. Ooh, yeah. 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 It's so beautiful. It can be for yeah. sure. Yeah. So there, there's something there, and yeah. I'm fascinated with that something, um, and I'm trying to contact it, like be bigger than my body and and um, possess all of my senses, which aren't just, you know, 
sight and smell and taste and hearing. Beyond the six mm-hmm. or the five. Yeah, or right, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to pick up all of them. And um, I think what's what's my unifying belief? Um, I do believe that, that love, like, if there is anything that's God, it, it is love, essentially. You know, like, love is powerful, and I think it's the only force that can can really create change, lasting positive change, you know, I think it's the answer to everything. I know it sounds stupid and like simplistic, you know what I mean? But, um, but I really believe that. Um, so that brings us back to self-love. Like you've got to find something that, that allows you to connect with, with your own worth, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'll, and then learn to love yourself and then have love to give and, and yeah. Do you find it ironic that you became a massage therapist? Um, I think it's not unusual. I mean, and it certainly wasn't accidental. I think I was trying to heal up, mm-hmm. you know, um, my wounds. Um, massage therapy is very intimate. Yes. Um, I did not have a comfortable relationship with my body. So it was a means of trying to connect with my body, uh, connect with other people. Like I, I think I was drawn to other people who had trauma, even though I would, even when I didn't totally know what my own was, um, I saw massage therapy as a vehicle for addressing trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, specifically sexual trauma, just because a lot of people who've been sexually traumatized don't like massage therapy because they don't want to be touched, you know? Um, but but sometimes it's the opposite too, where you, the idea of massage therapy is that it is safe, intimate touch, mm-hmm. not sexual, you know, like I would always tell people if it came up, you know, this is, this is a sensual experience because you are using all of your senses, you are experiencing it, um, but it's not intended to be sexual, you know? Um, I think men get confused because sometimes they get erections and they're like, oh, (laughs) but I mean, it's... Women do. Yeah, absolutely. um, Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think think it is an arena where these issues come up more than they do in the office, you know what I mean? Yeah. Except that you have sexual harassment in the office and stuff like that. I mean, I guess it's everywhere, but... um, Interestingly enough... um, I had women come on to me in the massage room too, not not just men. And while you're giving um, them a massage, mm-hmm. oh okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you respond no, to that? Well, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I had to learn all of these things through being in them. But um, sometimes it's subtle. Like sometimes someone is just kind of squirming, you know, maybe maybe trying to dislodge the draping or whatever, so that it's an accidental exposure or something. Um, and so I learned that if I see a squirm like that to address it, you know, like maybe take the sheet and just like tuck right, right where the squirm is happening to be. Like, nope. Stay right there. You know? <laughs> nope. Um, but, but that if you don't, like if I let my discomfort, um, prevent me from addressing it, it would escalate mm-hmm. and then I'd really have a problem. So, and then sometimes it was blatant. Like, you know, if someone just exposes themselves like, Hey, then I'm like, okay, guess what? This session is over. And you're gonna pay me the full fee, and, yeah. and don't come back. You know, yeah. you know. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, and and I mean, try to have a lot of compassion. Uh, it's my job in that space to keep it appropriate. Um, 
I think I failed sometimes through naivety or discomfort, you know, but... Um, Everything's a learning curve. It is, you know. You are an exceptional massage therapist, though. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Thank you very I much. have high standards. <laughs> because I like, I like the strong, strong ones, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of where you're sort of almost crying, <laughs> but in the best possible way. Yeah, you know, for me, yeah. I mean, I you do know. deep work. I do. Yeah. I do. it's I great. Yeah. So great. And but I, I want mean, it to feel good too. Like I don't no, want it no. to be just like well, for me, like it, an endurance of pain or no, anything like that. No, for me, but, it's, it's a yeah. very, it's a yeah. very happy little line that you know it's just like right on the edge of of where it's right starting to hurt is more is my favorite I don't know okay. what that says about me <laughs> right that's what is. And I think massage like a great massage therapist not only dislodges the muscles but helps you to release emotional stuff as well yeah, even if it comes up later I think that's right. why it's so wise to drink all the water afterward mm-hmm. to like clear out the toxins mm-hmm. and all that stuff but mm-hmm. I think it also water is a great channel Ooh. for uh for the you know your spirit and yes your, your energetic you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I, I like that. Absolutely. Where so where are you now on your journey? Where on my journey now. What um, do you feel like you still I mean, we're constantly learning. Every mm-hmm. we learn until we drop dead. That's just the right. way it is. And if you quit learning you drop dead sooner. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Dead alive. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to be dead alive? No. Nobody. Mm-mm. Well, some zombies maybe. Like, yeah. <laughs> but where do you, where do you where do you think you what's your where's your vibe these days? Um. Well, my my goal, I guess my what I'm chasing right now is writing for sure. Like it's I'm at a place where I recognize my entire life that's what I wanted to be, and I have done it to the best of my ability my whole life, um, not with consistency to make it pay me you know so that's that's my goal now is to make it pay me and and to just enjoy it like just allow myself to be who I am you know and um uh I am dedicated to continuing to process my trauma so that I can not be traumatized you know and traumatizing like I I am really trying to uh, own myself right now and be responsible for what I bring to the table in every interaction, you know, which is more aware than I have been ever before and is a lot sometimes, you know, and I, I don't get it all right, you know, I constantly make mistakes, but that's, I want to be a force of positivity and, and compassion, like I, I want to meet people where they are and, you know, allow a place for stories like you're doing, you know, and, yeah. and a place for connection and um, compassion to come in for our failures, you know, um, I feel like we have to be able to fail even horrifically and still feel that we are deserving of love. And I don't think this world offers that very much. And I think that's why there's so much tragedy yeah. out there, you know. Well, like we were talking about rapists going to jail for longer than murderers. They yeah. still, I mean, and like I say this all the time and people <clears throat> get mad at me for saying it, but I'm like, even Hitler... Even yeah. there's a part of there's somewhere in Hitler that was deserving of love. Was he a right. horrible human being? Absolutely. Right. But something created that horrible human being. Right. And if you had gotten to him right mm-hmm. before that happened, yeah. You know, I mean, some people are just born sociopaths. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, but he was a complicated man. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's know. it's a it's a crazy grace is a crazy thing. You it know is. where to find it. Mm-hmm. And 
I've read I've read some books by uh, by people who are on death row, mm-hmm. and you know, where it's little essays of people who have they they fully admitted yes I've killed someone, mm. and this is what I think about now. Yeah. And as I'm serving my time, and as I'm either awaiting my death, my execution, or you know, and some of those guys are on there time. forever and ever and ever. Yeah. But um, I think we forget that these are still human beings. You can mm-hmm. say, "Oh no, they they're they're not," but they are. Yeah. They are human beings. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, yeah. It's fascinating to me. The whole the human psyche in general is just so fascinating. I agree. But we can't lump anything into any one pile. Right. Oh. Um, I feel, going back to Brock again, so the only thing about him is, um, yes, he, he's like a young guy. Like, So there's rapists who are like uh, predators, you know, who like that they Like Dahmer's, the Bundys, yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's rapists that, um, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to give anyone an out, but we have created a society that you we know have, we live in a rape culture. We do, where it's absolutely okay to objectify women. And I'll be the first to say, in a in a sexual relationship, I want to be objectified sometimes <laughs> right? in a healthy way, like yeah, I, yeah. because I'm okay with it, you know. Sure. But I don't think a, a woman who is drunk and passed out deserves to be, you know, fingered. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. And who's no, to say that that guy, Brock, mm-hmm. or any Brock, mm-hmm, any mm-hmm. Brock out there, yeah. if he got away with that, would he then, would, that, more. would he get yeah. a taste of it? I mean, yeah, no, I think so. A little bit so. of that, you yeah. know, dopamine gets released. Yeah. And then suddenly you have the, the, the chance that it's starting to set you up as an addiction, yeah. an addiction to I, that feeling. Do you think that human nature, uh, yeah, if we if we get away with it, we tend to do more of it for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so yes, I want t- us to build a world where where we don't get away with it, like where we just we acknowledge that it exists and we're like, okay, why and how do we stop it? You right. know, like we have to start we have to start educating kids young and yeah. um, and you know before they even get to college and fraternities where yeah. you know where it's just like part of the social you know, yeah. landscape and everybody accepts it as normal life. Well, it's not. And, it's not. You know, so. Yeah. If um, I if I picked out, say, 10 of my girlfriends I could think of, um, I would say six or seven of them have either been right. molested, raped by either family members yeah. or friends. boyfriends yeah. or friends, one by a stranger. Mm. Uh, but... You yeah. know, that, that number is that's a humongous right. number. Yeah. Huge. I myself got roofied at a party when I was uh, dating. I just started dating this guy. We went to a Halloween party. And it was very bizarre because we were getting ready for the Halloween party, getting dressed. And I, I said to him, I should bring my flask. I feel like this is the kind of party you should be drinking your own alcohol. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It was a big, huge party. Like 1,500 people at this big warehouse. In your gut, man. My gut. should have gone with your gut. As we were walking up the stairs into this warehouse, into this party, I joked with him. I said, this is the kind of party you get roofied at, isn't it? And he's like, ha-ha. And we, like, joked about it. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, ha-ha, what are the chances of that? Well, I'll be damned. I got roofied at that party. He he and I separated to go, you know, be with friends or whatever because we had friends there. Sure. And 
somebody, uh, one of the, 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 the place was set up with all these individual bars. It was a big fundraiser and all this stuff. And I like tequila. I went to the little <laughs> tequila bar. And I had gone up a couple times and everything was fine. And then the third time I went up to get my shot of tequila, I remember, the last thing I remember was the guy that I had been dealing with handed my shot glass to someone, another guy, mm. and then he handed it to me, which uh, is weird, right? Is. The next thing I remember is I don't remember. Mm. And apparently my ex uh, found me in a pile of clothes, like petting the clothes, like the uh, coats. Yeah. And some of my friends earlier had thought that he had drugged me and they were freaking out and then they couldn't find me because I was petting people <laughs> and acting really weird. And, uh, when I was, so my boyfriend at the time got me out of there, drove me home. He thought I was just, had drank a billion tequilas. We hadn't been dating that long, so he didn't wow. know that I'm not a crazy drinker. Sure. And uh, so apparently I threw up a lot on the way home, wow. out the window, and he said I was like a, a rolled up carpet trying to pull me into the house. Wow. And I basically just passed out on the kitchen floor. He couldn't get me to move. Wow. And the next day he's like, I can't believe you got that drunk, so embarrassed. I'm like... I think I was roofied. I, I had three shots of tequila. It's nothing. And uh, and I was so dizzy and all this yeah. stuff. And so we looked up on the internet what the after effects of being roofied. And it was spot on. What were you? Now, wow. of course, he still didn't believe me. So I challenged him about a month later to a tequila drinking contest, which I won. But anyway, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is I got roofied. And yeah. once in college, one of my roommates, her boyfriend was cheating on her. And I found out. And he was a jerk anyway. And I told her. And I came home from school, and uh, this is a roommate situation where I had five female roommates in one little house, you know. Came home from school, and uh, he was there. Nobody else was. Mm. And he just started yelling. He's like, what are you doing? You know, what are you saying all this stuff to her? And she doesn't believe you anyway, and mm. I'm going to teach you a lesson. And Ugh. he shoved me into the bathroom, and he pushed me so hard. I went flying into the, to the, to the showery part ripped down my, you know, like my, mm. my tailbone hit the, mm. the faucet, Ow. ripped that. And I was like, Oh my God. And then he was like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And I was like, Holy shit, this guy's going to rape me. Sure. And I'm six foot one, first of all. <laughs> right. so at the time I was six foot, I grew a little bit after college. <laughs> and I, I was like, if I don't get out of here, I'm screwed, literally. <laughs> and I, um, and he was a big dude. He was like six, three, you know? Mm. And, uh, and I was, scrappy do. I mean, I'm still pretty scrappy, yeah. but I was a real scrappy do then. And I jumped up and I just made myself as big as I could. And I just mowed into him and ran girl. out the house. Yeah. If I hadn't done that, and many women don't, I right. mean, I'm big. Right. Like many little people probably, he would have been able to overpower. I don't think of you as big, by the way. Well, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I just, I get I worked up just see, talking I'm about sure. it, you know, and it's just, I love that you said I made myself big. See, that's you tapping into your energy yeah. body. Yeah. And I believe if you can possess that, that you can literally, like, like yeah. I, would, I would love to be able to just, like, push people away without even touching oh, them. Oh, man. Like some I martial artist. Blew past Yeah. yeah I did. It's like, yeah. I just imagined myself pulling yeah. up like a big... Like, this is not happening. Yeah. yeah and what's it. sad is, so there are two experiences where one, could something terrible could have happened mm -hmm. if the guy that had given me that drug had found me in that pile. God knows where I would have ended up. No and how many women at that party ended up that way if right? I hadn't gone with my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And then, and the fact that he didn't believe me. Yeah. That's also part Always. of the culture. Yes, it is. You know? Always. Yeah. And then the second thing, mm. and when I, here's the thing, here's the crazy thing. When I told my roommate what had happened, mm. 
She didn't believe me. And she'd break up with the guy. He never came over the house. Like, she always went to me, but he... Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, it is. It I mean, I had scar. I, like, People believe what the they want to believe. Oh, I know. You know? She was terrible. really super religious, too. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but probably she was super religious. Wow. But the point being is that it is so freaking prevalent. It is. It really is. Unbelievable. I so. honestly believe that everybody on the planet has... Had something? Yeah, something. Probably. Like something that they don't feel good about. Probably. I think every single person on the planet does. It would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me. And so I think that's what makes it such a volatile topic. You know, and I think, I mean, every, I think everyone has some secret fear of, um, you know, guilt <laughs> in, in the equation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no. I don't know. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. One that we really have to uh, talk about and... Yeah. And you talk about this education. stuff on your blog? Is that kind of one of your... So it's bloodlesscooblog.com. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, this past year, whatever I've put out there has been kind of me kind of processing, um, walking away from my religion and how much it... I felt traumatized by its overbearing nature and, and yeah, like trying to come to grips with with what happened to me and um like I I wrote one short story on there that's kind of a revenge fantasy but you know it 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 ends as kind of a just a healing you know like allowing myself the anger but choosing to let it go rather than actually seek vengeance or whatever you know but I, I do feel like it's really important to feel the emotions like um I've had to allow myself to feel emotions that I blocked out from the time of the trauma. Sure. And that I think that's what we, we're avoiding more than anything else is like actually feeling, because it feels terrible. I and you don't want to remember 100% it. 100%. You know, you don't want to relive. It's like reliving it. Yes. But you almost have to because otherwise. Therapy is hard as it hell. Is. But my yeah. God, getting it out is mm, the best. It is. Yeah, and otherwise you're just holding that vibration. It's still in there. You mm-hmm. have to like let it mm-hmm. get out. Do you think you. if you hadn't had the trauma, you would have stayed in the religion? Um, Do you ever think about that? Hmm. Is there any kind of correlation you think? Interesting. I'm not sure. Um, I think I was always intellectually restless. Mm. Like I, so I would have challenged, but honestly, more than anything, it was like my, my loyalty to my mom, which may have been tied up in the abuse. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, that may be part of it. I don't know if I can even answer that question. How old were you when the abuse started? Again, I can't totally say, but um, my guess is young, like three, four, something, and they maybe stopped seven, eight. Okay. And I don't know the regularity of occurrences or anything like that, you know. Um, sure. All, all I know is that sometimes, um, sometimes I was, like lately this year, I've had a couple of moments where I just would be crying and, and I would know that it was from the past. And if I just allowed that crying to come, then a whole bunch of information comes with it. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of moments like that this year. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't. I don't avoid it anymore. I don't try to drink my way out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I allow it to come. You feel it. Mm-hmm. That's very brave. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exceptionally brave. I've they been, don't good for you. Well, I mean, but I've been a crazy person, you know, and I don't want to be a crazy person because I, I keep blowing up my life and yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. You know? I want to build and keep it. Was your abuser highly religious? Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's amazing we survive and I think that our that's, lives. It is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to make you an exceptional writer. So I hope right. so. You already are one. Well, so I appreciate the vote. I, mean, I, I hate to say that the traumas lead one to a creative yeah. path that is exceptional, but it seems to go hand in hand. Yeah, I think... Um, the darkness. Right. Um, I don't know that you have to have darkness, but if you have it, you definitely have to deal with it. And, um, and dealing with it, I do think, allows you the opportunity to be exceptional in your expression of it or whatever it goes from being written on your bones to being written on the page (laughs) i like that yeah yeah Yeah. wow that was very well (laughs) nice thank you so much for being on the show shoot is it a show i don't know it is a show show? it's a show it's (laughs) your show podcast it's my show thank you so much for asking me and for having me and i'm gonna put links to your information if people you know want to check out when they they're gonna want to check out your (laughs) blog i'm sure of that so and, uh, Hopefully some... they don't send hate. Don't send hate mail for anything I said. I don't know. <laughs> you can, if you have hate mail, you can send it to me. <laughs> no, I'll deal with don't you. Don't do that either. <laughs> um, you know what? There's always haters. I know. There's I gonna know. be haters no matter what. I know. The yeah. minute you said I don't want to be in this religion anymore, you've got some haters. So right, you know, we're gonna live our lives, and that's all we can do. And yeah. and God bless. I mean, mm-hmm. not to be ironic, but <laughs> amen and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. You're okay. welcome. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. All right. Whee! <laughs>